you got your Bible open to the reading that Wayne uh, read for us in Luke chapter 11, that's going to be the basis of a lot of our thoughts tonight. Prayer is a wonderful gift that God has given us. And I guess almost every person at some point in time has called on God in, in prayer. I remember being flat one time at a meeting years and years ago and talking about prayer said, there will always be prayer as long as there's tests given in school. And I guess that's true, isn't it? Uh, but I'll tell you something else. It uh, doesn't do much good to pray if you don't do your effort and studying a little bit. Uh, God can work miracles, but he won't give you everything he asks for. We have to do a little preparation of our own. Faithful children of God, uh, prayer is something that's a daily part of our lives. And it amazes me, Linda sometimes will show me uh, Facebook. Uh, I'm, I'm not a technology uh, guy. Uh, my mind... I guess operates more in the past and the old-fashioned way of doing things than the modern technologies, but she'll show me posts on uh, uh, the computer that so-and-so uh, asks for prayers. Uh, and, and so-and-so will say, you know, pray for my mother or my father, my brother, my sister, or my great friend or whatever, and we know that the person who made the post never never darts the door of the Lord's house and never has been obedient to the gospel of Christ because we know a lot of these people, you know. So we have unbelievers attempting to talk to God when some kind of crisis hits. And I would suppose that a lot of uh, soldiers in the army, when they're under fire, maybe they say a brief prayer as well. I don't know. A lot of people that face uh, sicknesses of various kinds, you know, pray. That's good. Parents uh, pray for their children, especially those that might have given them problems or trouble. And that's good. That we pray. God wants us to come to him in prayer. But the sad thing about it is sometimes we're not as knowledgeable about praying and how to pray as we ought to be. And Jesus' disciples face that dilemma as well. Because in the beginning part of that uh, text tonight in verse 1... They asked the Lord to teach them how to pray, like John taught his disciples how to pray. Now, they, you know, they'd heard the prayers of the religious leaders of their day, and we'll have some scriptures a little bit later on that'll show us something about that. Those prayers seemed to be long, and they seemed to be uh, eloquent and uh, the ones listening may have adored the prayer more than the one to whom the prayer was offered to. And that's a problem in and of itself. But the disciples had seen something in the prayers of Jesus that 
that impressed them. And so they said, Lord, uh, teach us how to pray. And that's what we want to that's what we want to look at tonight. Uh, the prayer life of Jesus and what he taught concerning prayer. One of the reasons probably that the disciples asked that question to begin with was because they had seen Jesus pray so often. Mark 1 verse 35, in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up left the house and went away to a secluded place, some version says desert place, and was praying there. It seems uh, as you read the scriptures that it was a daily habit of the Lord Jesus Christ to begin his day with a quiet time and with a prayer to his Father. And you know, in the life of Jesus, before any major event took place, it seems like the Lord prayed. If something significant was going to be in his life, he prayed. In Luke chapter 3 and verse 21, now when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized and while he was praying, heaven opened up. So when our Lord was baptized, he was praying to the Father even as the Spirit descended upon him. Luke describes in that passage, and you'll find that in other passages such as Matthew. Later in the ministry of Jesus... There was a major decision about his followers. And he was going to select 12 men of his choosing to develop into what we know to be the apostles. And in Luke chapter 6, verses 12 and 13, it was at this time that he went off to the mountains to pray. And he spent the whole night in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he also named as apostles. So the decision of the 12 men that he was going to entrust to carry on the kingdom when it was established he prayed about. Now we don't know exactly what uh, the essence of that prayer was concerning these men. Maybe he, you know, prayed that uh, he himself would have patience with them because they didn't always act in a way that Jesus should be patient, did they? One time, some of them wanted to call down thunder from heaven to destroy somebody, if you remember. Peter was always putting his foot in his mouth, so to speak. So it could have been that the Lord prayed that he might patiently rein them in and train them to be the preachers, if you will, that would speak the gospel of Christ. 
Maybe he prayed for them individually that uh, they would be able to hold up under the trials and the tribulations that they would face because of persecutions. And you read the book of Acts, you know very well that persecutions came. So the Lord might have prayed for, for his followers, those apostles, to have the strength to deal with what would happen after he was no longer with them. So we don't really know what the substance of the prayer was, but I don't think it's any wonder that the apostles, that his disciples at this time, asked him about prayer. He prayed the night before choosing them. Still later in his ministry, those or some of those followers of his came to see his full glory. Luke chapter 9, verses 28 and 29, some eight days after these sayings, he took along Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face became different and his clothing became white and gleaming. Of course, we know this account to be what Matthew records in the 17th chapter of Matthew, the transfiguration of our Lord. Jesus was transfigured before Peter, James, and John while he was praying. And on the night of the Last Supper, Peter made a great promise to Jesus. You know, Lord, I'm never going to forsake you. Though I'll forsake you, I won't ever do that. But notice what Jesus tells him in Luke, the 22nd chapter, verses 31 and 32. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail and you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Well, we all know the episode when Peter denied the Lord and we know that when Peter made eye contact with Jesus that he regretted that he had done that and he went out and wept bitterly, which was a sign of his repentance. And we know that on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, this apostle had the strength to stand up and proclaim to the Jews that you have crucified the Lord. You've taken by wicked hands and murdered the Son of God. That's pretty strong language, isn't it? But Jesus prayed that Peter would have strength after he had turned and he would be able to strengthen others. And I think we see that in the life of Peter. Luke 5 and verse 16, Jesus went out into the wilderness to pray. All of those scriptures from the book of Luke that we've looked at, which incidentally is our book for the study of the Bible Bowl, all of those scriptures tell us that Jesus had a habit of prayer. And, you know, 
in critical times like in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was going to be arrested and eventually crucified in that garden, you remember what he did. He prayed, right? Three times he prayed. The apostles were doing what? Sleeping, right? Yeah, but Jesus was praying. And I think all of that points to and explains to us why people would turn to Jesus and inquire about prayer. After all, Jesus had modeled prayer in his life, all of his life. So it would not be unusual, I don't think, for the apostles to say to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Because Jesus prayed differently than the rulers of the synagogues and the temple did. Now, when we had the reading just a few moments ago, we have in that reading what we sometimes call the Lord's Prayer, but more appropriately, it should be called the model prayer. Because Jesus gave us a model, or a sample, if you will, that we might go by. Uh, and I don't think as you look at that prayer in, in depth and think about it, that uh, we're surprised by the simplicity of it. First of all, when we talk about Jesus' prayer, it's a reverent prayer. He opened it up by saying, concerning the Father, hallowed be thy name. That's reverence for God, the Father. It was a submissive prayer. Your kingdom come. That is, you rule in the lives of the people. It was a thankful prayer. Give us this day our daily bread, he said. And it was a prayer that was oriented toward others. It was not self-centered when he said, forgive us as we forgive others. It was an honest prayer. The Lord said, lead us not into temptation. That is, Watch over me that I don't give in to sin. Now, what can be most surprising, I guess, about this prayer is how brief it is. We can, in a few seconds, really, say that prayer aloud, and it's often repeated by individuals today, Jesus, in this prayer, is not giving us a ritual formula to say in order to get the favor of God. He is modeling for us simply a sample prayer that we can use. And I think in that prayer it reminds us that eloquence is not a requirement for prayer. You know, a long time ago in the days of Moses, Moses didn't want to be God's spokesman because he said he couldn't speak eloquently. 
And God fixed that problem by giving him his brother Aaron who could to be his spokesman in leading the people out of Egypt. The prayer is simple and easy for individuals to understand. In fact, in the teaching of Jesus, he gives warnings about praying in a manner just to sound impressive. Matthew chapter 6, if you look at verses 5 through 7, Jesus had these words to say on the Sermon on the Mount. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, Here's what they do. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. The only reward they'll receive will be the praise they receive from the men who hear them. Said the men who hear them, not the God who hears heard but you when you pray go into your inner room some version says closet close your door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you and when you are praying do not use meaningless repetitions as the gentiles do for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words now, this was what set Jesus' prayer apart from those of the hypocrites. Although he could and did pray all night on occasion, his prayers were different. Now, let's notice for the last few minutes of our lesson tonight some of the qualities in that simple prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Number one, Jesus prayed on a personal level. The prayer is simple, but yet it's very personal. He teaches us to speak to God one-on-one. -on -one. Now, I realize that in the worship setting, we are led in prayers, and as a congregation, we pray together. But in our daily lives... We need to realize that, that prayer is personal. There's no reason even for another person to be in the room with us when we pray. In fact, uh, Jesus here in this reading that we just read explains the power of prayer and the fact that we can pray in secret. In other words, when we do that, we're not praying to impress People, but we're praying on a personal relationship with God that he will hear us and help us with the requests that we make unto him. Jesus explains the power of prayer in our text of Luke 11 when he equates it to a neighbor who imposes on his friend late at night. And then later on, he compares it to a child seeking something from a parent. Wanting something to eat, you wouldn't give him something that would be dangerous as a scorpion or a serpent or a snake. But you would provide him with a meal. 
Both examples show us that prayer is a personal encounter with God. So Jesus teaches us in the simple prayer that we're to pray for things like our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. In our prayers, we may ask God to be merciful to us because we're sinful people. And we may ask God to forgive us of any misdoings on our part, sin on our part. We may ask him for good health. We may ask him for peace. But you see, we do that on a personal basis in our daily prayers. Jesus calls on us to speak to our Father with open honesty because we need mercy and we need to extend mercy to others. All of that, I think, points to the personal nature of our prayers to God. Secondly, the second quality of that simple prayer is that Jesus prayed persistently. He tells a parable of a man who went to his neighbor here in Luke 11 after giving the prayer in the middle of the night to seek bread. Now the homes of Jesus' day were usually one-room building. And when bedtime came, you know, they didn't have the seedy posturpedic and <laughs> all of these good soft or hard or firm, whatever you desire, mattress, and they didn't have the electric one that raises up and lets down and, you know, all that stuff, or the air that one side could be 60 and the other 40 or whatever you want. But in Jesus' day, most of the time, the ground was the floor, and they rolled out some kind of mat or a pad of some sort, may have even been straw. And they lay down to go to sleep for the night. And usually the father of the families, according to historians, slept closest to the door, and that was to protect the family in case of any kind of intruder. So the father... Here's the banging on the door, and so does everybody else. And he doesn't respond initially. Now, Jesus perhaps thought about how his disciples would hear that story. And maybe he reminds them that we must approach God in the same way that this no neighbor approached the man in the house. What would have happened if the neighbor had quit knocking? Well, he wouldn't have got the bread he needed for his guests, would he? We must be willing to seek God, to seek God, and to seek until, like the neighbor, God finally hears us and we get a response. So for us, we need to learn to be persistent in prayer like Jesus teaches here in Luke 11. 
I think too often we pray one time to God for this and then we forget about that and we move on to something else. Well, that's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus taught us to pray and to pray and to pray for the same thing over and over again. Now, we get discouraged sometimes when we pray, don't we? Because we don't see the immediate result that we want. And sometimes we may be selfish in the prayers that what we're asking for is what we want and not be God's will. That's why often in our prayers we should include God's will be done. And sometimes in sicknesses we pray that our, our loved ones will be better. But what could be better than the rest that's found in Abraham's bosom? Oh, it hurts us. And we've been hurt here several times in the last year or two. But yet it's comforting to think and it can bring a smile to our face when we think about our loved ones that died in the Lord are resting from their labors now. Oh, we can pray that we, we love them and that we enjoyed being with them here, but we can also pray that we're happy for them because they've reached the promise that God made. We need to be persistent in our prayers. The third quality of Jesus' teaching here is that he prayed with God's presence in mind. The Lord tells us in the passage that we, could, uh, we should ask, we should seek, and we should knock. The interesting part of that phrase in that uh, passage there is the Greek tense of those words. What Jesus actually said in that passage is this, keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. You see, these, uh, these commands that's in that passage are in the present tense. That is, they represent some, type, some kind of continuous action. You know, the Lord doesn't want people who throw off quick prayers, and then that's it. He seeks people that will keep praying. That's persistence. He wants followers who will make prayer a daily habit. But the great lesson, I think, in this kind of praying is that it keeps God constantly in our mind. If we pray daily and if we pray throughout the day, then God will never be far from us. Did you ever think about that? Prayer reminds us of God's presence in our lives, perhaps in a way that nothing else can. So the more we pray, the more we realize how much God is with us. 
and God is for us. Quality number four, Jesus teaches us we need to submit to God in life. One great principle you must learn about prayer is that you cannot ignore God in your daily life and then seek him in a religious ritual like prayer. That is, if we choose to ne neglect and reject God's will and God's word, then we can expect God to answer our prayers. That's why Jesus mentioned submission, I think, in the prayer that, that he gave us here in this, uh, this passage. Submission requires that you and I surrender to God's will in all ways. And that includes the important decision of becoming a child of God. Because our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ taught that in Mark 16, 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned or condemned. The Lord who taught us to pray also teaches us to submit to God's will and to be baptized for the remission of our sins. And when we do that, through our faith in him, repenting of our sins and confessing his name, we're in a condition that we call saved. And then we're in a position to pray like Jesus teaches us to pray in Luke chapter 11. When we become a child of God, we can confidently call on the Lord. We can knock on that door repeatedly. We can pray, pray, pray. We can talk to him in a personal way. We can thank him. We can seek his will and seek the blessings that God provides for those who are his children. So we all need to work on our prayer life, don't we? And we all need to submit to the will of God in everyday life. And we need to pray daily because it keeps God close to us. Tonight, if you need to submit to the will of God and obey him and put Christ on in baptism, we would encourage you to do that. Or if it's a child of God, you've wandered away and you need to come back to him, we would encourage you to do that as together we stand and as we sing.